was exciting. You feel the excitement. I just want to say that that excitement has a lot to do with you. It has a lot to do with the time that you've spent over the last 40 some odd years, the time that you have spent in listening sessions, the time that you have spent in prayer, the giving you have done, the, the, the people you've invited, the ways that you've served, all of that, we stand on those shoulders and we come to this moment and I just want to say thank you. I also want to say that we are, as far as I can tell, as far as I've been able to find out, we are for the first time having a vision night with all seven campuses at the same time. I'm being broadcast to all of our locations across Chicagoland. And so that is pretty exciting. And what they told me right before I came up is that they brought, at least here at South Barrington, I don't know if they did it at all the locations, hopefully, but here's what happened. They brought in all the students to join us for vision night. They're sitting right over here. I see you guys. I see you guys right over here. And we're super excited that you're here. Hey, let's have some fun, a little bit of fun, because they asked me to talk about mission statement. And this really is a celebration of the process that so many of you have been a part of. Let's talk about a mission statement and what that is. It is a sentence, maybe two, that explains why an organization exists or what an organization is trying to do or attempt to do. Uh, there's a lot of great ones out there. In fact, I'm going to share some with you and uh, you can see if you can guess which organization it represents. First one is this, to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Go ahead and shout it out. Do you know who that is? You know, it is Tesla. That's right. It's hard to tell. There's not a lot in there except for accelerate, maybe. How about this one? Bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Do you know who that is? That's Nike. That's Nike. And what's interesting about Nike is it says, bring it to every athlete in the world. And there's an asterisk there on their mission statement. And then their next asterisk, it says, if you have a body, you are an athlete. And I feel like there's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to say it. I don't know. Ikea. Well, I gave it to you. There you go. All right. I'm done. All right, here we go. To create a better everyday life for the most people. Isn't that interesting? Somebody just said Ikea. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't you think their vision statement ought to be to help people put furniture together in an easy way? I mean. All right, now this one I really, really like. Check this out. Spread ideas. That's Ted from the Ted Talks. Isn't that good? It's succinct, it's memorable. What do we do? We spread ideas. I love that. I love the simplicity. Uh, how about this one? To be Earth's most customer centric company, where customers can find and discover anything they might want to buy online. <laughs> Amazon, you are right. That is good. To become the world's most loved, most flown, and most profitable airline. That's Southwest. That's Southwest right there. All right, now look at this. I want to be, I wish I'd have been in the boardroom when this next one came up. Because they say to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And I just want to know what group of people looked at each other and said, yeah, we can do that. That is so grandiose. And yet I think Google pulled it off. 
Like they did it. And then this one, become the world. Now this one's the most humbling one, and I'll tell you why. Become the world's number one destination for fashion-loving 20-somethings. Do you know who that is? Azos. Or Asos. Or Esos. And the reason that is humbling is because I have never heard of that before. And so obviously I am old and I'm not good at fashion and all the teenagers are laughing at me right now. But that's all right. Listen, what does every one of those mission statements have in common? Well, I'll tell you. The leader of the organization was instrumental in crafting the mission statement. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, they had focus groups to talk through it. They pitched wordsmithing ideas and, and, and they took surveys and they, they did all that. But at the end of the day, it was always the leader that really establishes the mission statement who had the most to say about what it ought to be. And so as we think about what our mission statement is, I think it makes the most sense for us to check with the leader of our organization, which is Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that? It's Jesus Christ. And so what we did was look at a couple of interesting um, passages of Scripture, very, very core passages of Scripture. There was a moment where our leader, uh, our leader, the leader of our church, was getting ready to go back and ascend to the Father. And after he had modeled so much to people, and after he had taught so much to people, and he had this group of leaders in front of him. And right before he goes up to the Father, he says something in Matthew 28, 19 and following. And if you're a Bible scholar, you might know what we call this. We have called this the Great Commission. This is literally Jesus. This is what we co, what we're going to do together on mission. Check out what Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I see, I see go. I see make disciples. I see of all nations. This is not something to hold on to. This is not just for the Jews. This was supposed to go everywhere, every, everywhere. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Holy I see teaching teaching them everything I have commanded you. Well, uh, what did you command us, Jesus? It's an interesting question. In fact, it was a question that a, a legal expert, one of, the, one of the experts in the Jewish law, came to Jesus one day and said, um, Rabbi, um, can, can you just sum everything up for us? <laughs> like, like, what's the most important law? What's, what's the most important one? I mean, you've got all the Ten Commandments, you've got all the, all the Torah, you've got all of this, and then, oh, by the way, we have all these people, that are, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the prophets and everybody. Jesus, can you just, what, what's the most important one? And Jesus said, you know what? I'm not just going to tell you the most important one. I'm going to sum them all up. I'm going to take all of them and embody them in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Matthew 28, we talk about as the great commission. This is the great, the great commandment that Jesus gives us. And these become the two scriptures upon which we derive, we can derive the mission and the business or the activity of our church. What should we be about? So we looked at a couple of words. Uh, We looked at baptizing and teaching. Jesus says, as you go out, that's what I want you to be doing, baptizing and teaching. Now, some churches have, have decided that they'll focus on just one of these. Um, I've run into churches before that are kind of like, you know what, we're really, we're just really about going deep. We're about making disciples. Now, honestly, we don't reach a lot of people, but that's not really what we're about. We're just about trying to go deep, understand the word. We're trying to make disciples around here. And then I'll find other churches who are kind of like, honestly, we're not really about, you know, building people up or making disciples. We just want to reach as many people as we can. A mile, mile wide and an inch deep, but that's okay with us. We just want to reach. And here's the thing. I just don't see that the leader of our organization gives us the option. I don't see that he gives us the option to choose one or the other. And so we ought to be a place where everybody can move forward in their relationship. If we're making disciples, then everybody those that are on this end of their spiritual journey who are just starting out. And can I just say how exciting it is when you encounter people who are brand new to the faith, who are just sort of checking things out for the first time. I remember being in a small group one time and somebody opens their Bible and they go, Malachi, what is that? Is that some, oh, it's an Italian philosopher. No, 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 that's not. You know, but there's, there's such life. When we see the baptism weekends, there's such life in that. We ought to be a place where every atheist, every person who's been hurt by church, every person from every faith background, that they have a safe place to explore sometimes dangerous issues. A safe place for them to ask tough questions. That ought to be this place. But... We are also a place where we've got some pretty amazingly discipled people. We've got some people that, that, that well, I'll give you an example. I also want this to be a place where, um, you know, we're, we're pretty close to a lot of great Bible colleges and seminaries. and We've got Wheaton College and North Park and, and, and Trinity and just all these places. We have some professors that come to our church And here's the thing. I want this to be a place where they are challenged to take a next step with God as well. I love the fact that when Jesus says, love your neighbor, that maybe a professor would say, you know what? And I know out of the four Greek words for love, I know which one Jesus used in that passage. But I want to say, but do you know your neighbor's name? Are you loving your neighbor? And so we want this to be a place where we're challenging people to move forward. We're in the people development business that Jesus would say we're to make people grow. We're to take people from where they are and to help them to take a next step with their God. In what? Or how? Growing toward what? How, how will we, what is the activity? There's growth, but growth in what? 
And that's where we take some more of these words from our, from our passages of Scripture, from our leader, and we begin to derive what is that activity that we're going to be about. Now, I need to stop right there because in the process, if I could walk you back through some of our process over the last six months or so, there was a moment where we were kind of like at this point in the development and we were trying to figure out what is going to be some language that is going to speak to um, a younger crowd. And I'll just be honest, we kind of made an assumption at that point. And the assumption that we made is that we, want, well, that we would all want this church to be around 50 years from now. Is that right? And if that's going to happen, then we all... We all have to do a really good job of handing off an incredible church to you all. We have to do a good job of growing younger. Can we say that at all of our campuses? Are we good with that? Just kind of nod your head like, yes, that's what we need to do because we care about our kids. We care about our grandkids. We want to see this church go on for another 50 years. And so we've got to think about younger people. And people always ask me, well, well, well how young? And I always say, younger than you. <laughs> like whoever you are, we're aiming Younger. I'm 47 years old, and here's what I have decided, that if I like everything that we do in this church, I'm probably missing the mark in some ways. Because the best way that we're going to reach your generation is probably through you. I, I, I'm 47 years old. I am not going to do it. All of our campuses, the students, I, like, like, I'm going to have a really hard time because I don't always watch the TikTok you know, I mean, I know some things, like, but you can just imagine, like, if I'm trying to reach your friends, how weird and awkward that would be. Can you imagine me showing up at your school and being like, hey, hey, man, sheesh. They don't know a thing about what I just did there. But you know, you know, right? I don't watch the TikTok, so you are the people. So we're all in agreement that what we need to do is figure out how to rebuild a church and then hand it off well to the next generation. Are you with me on that? So here's what I did. Here's what I did. At this moment in the process, I ran down, literally out of my office, I ran down to the student ministry's office and I interrupted everything they were doing. And we got around a whiteboard and I just said, hey, I just need something simple. I just need something that's gonna be compelling, something that a student, something that a, a, a young adult uh, something that a 20-something, a 30-something that they, they could latch onto. Just give me some language. And we just spent a little time and we threw some things up at the board. And this is what stuck. We just want to help people take next steps to love God, love people, and change the world. Just what, what do we want to move forward in? We just want to love God, love people, and change the world. It's just... It's that simple now. It's profound and it's powerful, but it's just so simple. And honestly, what was interesting is I took that and I thought, well, it's interesting. That's what made sense to us. But then that over months stayed the same. Everybody throwing things at it, thinking about it, like playing at it. But that's what emerged. Just love God, love people and change the world. So I imagine a church where we love God. 
And, and, and I, I mean that to mean what you think it means. Like, you know, we want to worship God. We want to come on the weekends and we want to sing and we want to serve God. But, but I also want to, like, remember, in each one of these, I want to I grow. I want to move forward. I want to take next steps. So it's not just about worshiping God and giving him an hour on the weekend. If I, if I look at that New Testament church, it wasn't just something that they went to a building and did something for an hour. Like, they worshiped God, they honored God, they yielded and surrendered everything in their life to God, whether it was their money, whether it was their time, whether it was their homes, everything was God's. And I just imagine what it would be like for us to surrender our entire lives to God. What does that look like? Do you know what's interesting that we have that they did not have? The Bible. What is growing in, in loving God? Listen, they, they did not have the printing press. And so at the end of church, they would roll up the scroll, the Bible, and they would put it away, and everybody would go home. They didn't have Bibles, but you and I do. We have this love letter from God. We have this basic instructions for, for life. We, we, we have these, the, the, these, these commandments and these promises. We have this, and most of us have it on the shelf. Sometimes just gathering dust, folks, what would it be like if we were a church that loved God in a way that we're not just connecting with him on the weekend, but every morning we are a people that open up the, the word of God, this, this book that people have literally died trying to get it to people that didn't have it. It's that important. It was so powerful. And we can open it up every day and say, God, here's a passage of scripture. Prayerfully show me what should I do with what you're telling me in this passage of scripture? What should I do with this today? And then we actually did it. Revival. Everywhere. So I imagine that we would be a people that not just love God on the weekend, but every day we were a people that were in the word of God. We love God. We also want to be loving people. We ought to love people. 59 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another is used. People were praying for one another. They were serving one another in that first church. They were bearing one another's burdens. Uh, the New, Ta New Testament paints a picture in Acts of people just doing life together. They were, even, they, were, they were doing life in such a way that they trusted each other and they were holding each other accountable to growing. And, and all of that is, is honestly um, so powerful and has been such a powerful thing in this church and in so many churches around the world. But here's what has been missing, I believe, This is how we have not done it well, guys. We've been content to be in our little groups of people that look and think and vote and act and believe just like us and been okay that other people were in groups of people that thought and believed and acted and looked just like them. And yet in John 17, he said, that your witness will depend on your withness. 
and your ability to come together. And if we miss out on the radical, revolutionary community that was happening in the New Testament, then we miss out on the power of, of that community and what that could mean to the world. What am I talking about? I'm talking about in James. In James, where the rich felt entitled to have the good seats at church. And James is coming along and going, no, 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 that's not the way it should be. Like, this is a new day. We're supposed to have sort of, you know, even ground at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter if you're well-resourced or under-resourced. We're all going to do this together. And that was radical for them. Or in Acts 15, where the Jews were saying, okay, okay, listen, you're not Jewish. You're not like me, but here's the thing. And and you're welcome to be a part of our new little deal, but you just got to be Jewish. You got to adopt our culture. You got to adopt our ways. You have to eat what we eat and celebrate what we celebrate. You got to get circumcised. And you just got to do this to be a part of our thing. And they said, no, 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 that's not the way it's going to be. Whoever you are, whatever your ethnic background, who are you? No, no, no. In Jesus, we are all one. And that was radical. And women in the New Testament. We're coming out of kitchens. And they were serving alongside of men. And they were learning alongside of men. And they were leading alongside of men. And it was radical. And people were going, what is going on? And I just think to myself, what it would be like if you actually had a church in this world where black and white and Asian, Hispanic, where all of us were together, we were getting along, we were loving and serving and leading together, we were worshiping together, we were learning together. What would that look like? What would it look like if, if we were going across political aisles to do work together in the community? Oh my goodness. Cubs fans, Sox fans, all getting along. I'm, I have a high vision here, folks. But the radical nature of that kind of inclusive community, love God, love people, and change the world. Oh, because here's what happens. Sometimes you get a community that's loving God and loving each other so well that they put their arms around each other and they just go, this is so good. Let's not invite anybody else to be a part of it because they might mess it up. And we have got to resist that temptation to always be externally focused to say we have got to go outside of the walls we've got to be a people that will bless those around us we will establish relationship with those around us we will serve those around us under resource we'll be partnering with partners in our in, in our community to serve those around us but what would next steps look like in that you know when i i was recently talking with some some old time willow folks And they were reminiscing with me about the good old days, the golden era, someone said. And I said, tell me about that. And they said, well, there was just, there was an energy. There was just an energy where everybody was inviting their friends. And then somebody said, and and there was just, there was something for everybody There were groups for people that wanted to study the Bible. There were groups for people that that wanted to pray together. There were groups for for moms who were, you know, raising kids and they were supporting each other. There were groups for people that wanted to play basketball. There were groups for people that wanted to go help uh, uh, fix cars. Uh, 
for people. There were groups for firemen. There were groups for hairdressers. They said, you remember we had a hairdressing group. There was a group for everybody. And then they said these words. And if you didn't see a group for you, you felt like you could start one to reach your friends. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's it. That's the moment when we have a culture where every one of us feels empowered and inspired and released and encouraged to attempt great things for God ourselves. Can I tip my hat a little bit? Can I show you my cards that when I think about a disciple, when I think about making disciples, it's not just somebody who sins 22% less than they did last year. And I don't think of a disciple as someone who knows 18 more verses than they did last month. I think of a disciple who has answered the call where Jesus himself said, you come and you follow me. And I will make you, disciple, I will make you a fisher of men. I dream of a place where every one of us feels encouraged and empowered to say, you know what? I could reach my friends. I could start a group for that. I could hold an event for that. I I could get some people together and go serve at that uh, soup kitchen. I, I could make a difference in my community. I could do that. And what I want to do over the next uh, year or so is I want to begin to build in discipleship rhythms, some habits. And and it's no secret what they are. I've been mentioning them. I've been leaking them out over the last year and a half. Things like bless, things like generosity, things like opening up our Bible every day and connecting to God, things like getting in groups. I've been leaking it out. And I, I want to crystallize those things. And what I want to do is I want to teach some folks this fall what that looks like. And then I want to challenge them to start groups and then those groups to start groups and those groups to start groups. And my hope is, is that every one of us in Willow will understand those those habits of a disciple. Here's the thing. Um, This vision has started leaking. Um, Those words have started leaking. Um, I, I, I've seen at North Shore somebody, you know, it'll end the service by saying, well, you know, this is great. We are, let's love God and love people and change the world this week. And I'm like, it's leaking. But it's good. Um, because people are starting to catch it. And, and I'll, just, uh, I'll just tell you this. Um, last week, uh, I had somebody asked to meet with me and, and a couple other staff and they walked into the office, and I wasn't quite sure what we were talking about, but we sat down, and um, uh, this lady uh, just basically pushed a piece of paper across the desk, and uh, long story short, just said, hey, I really feel like uh, I want to give a gift, and you can expect um, in the next few months, there's going to be upwards of a million dollars come in, and uh, and that's just shocking. Wow. But it's what she said next that just floored me. She said, I have Alzheimer's. And I wanted to come in 
before my memory fades to look you in the eyes and tell you that I believe in your big vision for this place. And I will tell you, (laughs) I will tell you that for each of you, as God calls you to, I believe, run with us on this vision, it will require more. It's going to require more time. It's going to require more effort. It's going to require more talent. It's going to require more. And, And there's going to be a moment, probably different for each of us, but I can tell you for me recently, it was one of those times where you just go, like, I don't know if this is going to work. And it's in that moment that our good God opens up the heavens and does something like that as a way to say, and lo, I go with you always to the very end of the age. Well, I firmly believe that if we follow Jesus, if we love God, if we love people, and we partner with Jesus to change the world, I really believe we will see um, this vision come to light a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multiplying movement of disciples. And when I say disciple, I mean disciple makers. That, that is the vision. Amen.